0: The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. The theme of the book of Proverbs overall could be summed up in, in one admonition. Don't be a fool. There's so much in the book of Proverbs about the fool and the, and the righteous, the wicked and the good, those that are... That are, that are uh, uh, living in ways that, uh, that don't please the Lord versus those that are living in ways that do please the Lord. And one other thing we need to remember about the book of Proverbs is that it is not written to the wicked and to the reprobate. In fact, there's nothing in the word of God that's not written to God's children. So when we talk about those who are the fool, those who are the wicked, those who are uh, the evil and that sort of thing, he's not necessarily referring to those who are not children of God. He's talking to you and I as children of God and telling us, hey, here's what you need to watch out for because guess what? In you is the same spirit as that which is in the wicked and the reprobate. You know, did you know that there is no difference between your natural man uh, even though you're born again, there's no difference in that portion of you that is that old man, that natural man. There's no difference in that and the, and the reprobate's nature out in the world. There, there's no difference. You and the wicked, you as an elect child of God versus those who are reprobate or non-elect, you're the same inside. And the only difference is that the Lord has has born you of His Spirit, and now you have a second man within you. You have the old Adamic nature, and you have the new spiritual nature, but that old Adamic nature is just like the wicked of the world. And you know what that means? (laughs) That means you, child of God, can end up looking like and acting just like the wicked of the world. Now, you ought not, and sanctification is something that you ought to pursue, you know, there's eternal sanctification that was given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. We are sanctified by His blood in an eternal sense. And there is such a thing as a progressive sanctification in the daily life of a child of God. But it's not like the world teaches. The world, many in the world would teach that, well, if you really are a child of God, you are going to progress in the faith and you're going to, you're going to be progressively sanctified. Or else if you don't, you never were a child of God in the first place. We don't believe that. <laughs> Just ask Lot when you get to heaven. Do you think Lot was progressively sanctified? I'm not even going to describe the last scene that we see of Lot who is drunk in a cave committing unspeakable sins with his daughters. I'm not even going to go there. You look at him and his progressively sanctified life. You say, Lot must have died and gone to hell. Peter tells us otherwise. Peter tells us he was a just man. He vexed his righteous soul daily in seeing and hearing these evil deeds that were around him. So the book of Proverbs is written to us. And, and when you see something in the book of Proverbs that says, uh, you know, the, uh, the evil man did this or the wicked man did that, don't ignore it and say, well, I'm not evil, I'm not wicked, I'm a child of God. But guess what? <laughs> you can be an evil and wicked child of God if you're not careful. And that's the point of the book of Proverbs, to, re- to remind us. Don't be a fool. <laughs> Don't be a fool. There's, there's, there's four or five words, that, Hebrew words that are translated as fool in the book of Proverbs and throughout the Old Testament. <clears throat> one of the, the, one of the, I'm not going to call the name, up, but one of the words denotes someone who is morally corrupt and may also lack intelligence. There's another word that talks about a person who is just simply unaware of God's commands. He's ignorant in the sense of he doesn't know. There's another word that we've talked about here before. Uh, There's a man who's named this. In in the book of 1 Samuel, you read about a man named Nabal, Nabal. And the word Nabal literally means a fool. I've always wondered how in the world his parents expected him to survive in life when they named him fool. You know, think about if you you have a child. You, some of you young folks that are married, you have a child. Don't name him fool, okay? He <laughs> may act like a fool and you may be a fool, but don't call him that. He hasn't got a chance in life. Nabal. In fact, his wife Abigail, who ends up marrying David after Nabal dies, says to David at one point when she's trying to stick up for him, said, "As his name is, so is he." <laughs> And that word Nabal is used throughout the Word of God to talk about the one who has no fear of God, no fear of man. He, he, he runs off at the mouth. He shames his parents. He, he disregards all civility. He's just a fool, a Nabal. He's contemptuous. Now, there's a fourth word that often is translated as a scoffer and not as fool, but as a scoffer. Some, and that's, that denotes someone who is contemptuous, who mocks and ridicules. You know, I want to just say this. Doesn't our culture today idolize those kinds of folks? Turn on your news. Turn on your TV. You know, and I, I, listen, I get it. When I was growing up, I've told you all this before. I'm talking about a teenager in high school. The highest honor you could achieve among my peers was to have the best comeback the most smart aleck response, you know, if I could do that, then I was up there. Boy, you know, I I would actually I hate to admit this, but I would there was a, there was a couple of times, you know, I, I was kind of I I could always think of great comebacks, but it's like two hours later, you know, I never never could never could get them implemented. There's a couple of times when I was 15 or 16 years old when I I got a zinger in on some of those guys that were so good at it. And, and I basked in that for two or three days, you know? I was just like, I got them, you know, I got, you know, that was, that was the thing, right? And that's, there's something we all like about somebody who can get somebody. And in the world today, especially in politics, oh my goodness, we've gotten to the point where if you're not loud and proud, and in your face, you're just not a true believer, either on the right or the left. But you know what God says about those people? He calls them scoffers, and he calls them fools. He calls them fools. Someone who mocks and ridicules. And then there's a, there's a fifth word that's really not often translated fool, but it's translated many times in, the, in our King James Bible as brutish. Brutish. And I, I got interested in that, Brother Glenn, and I looked it up. I just wanted to know what it, what it meant years ago. And I looked it up, and it was amazing. It meant stupid. <laughs> stupid. You know, my mom and daddy didn't like for me to use that word when I was, you know, when I was a kid. And I was like, ooh, stupid. Okay, brutish is stupid. So there's, there's a lot of things translated as fools, okay? And, and I want to say this, too, is in laying the groundwork for what I want to really preach about this morning. The primary way that the fool manifests himself, you don't have to turn there, but sometime go to Psalm the 14th chapter and Psalm the 53rd chapter, and you'll see the most basic sense in which someone can be a fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. There is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's the primary way the fool manifests himself. Now, I want to to stop and say this. I am not speaking derogatively toward those who are atheists. I'm not trying to run them down. I'm not trying to be smart aleck or contemptuous, okay? The word fool in the Bible means something. I'm not just out there saying, oh, you fool, and she's a fool. He's, you know, we're, we're all, to some extent, a fool. We all have it within us, okay? Um, and the primary problem with the fool, if you might turn to the 12th chapter of the book of Proverbs. The primary problem with the fool is found in verse 15 of Proverbs chapter 12. So the underlying issue is he doesn't believe in God. Sometimes that's not manifest consciously in his mind, but he's not thinking about God. He's not interested in God. It says, "...the way of a fool is right in his own eyes." You know, that's the primary problem with you and I, when we act like a fool, is we think we know it all. We think we can do it our way. Our way is right in our own eyes. I don't care what mom and daddy said. I don't care what this wise counselor over here tells me. I don't care what the Bible says. I can do it my way. And it'll be all right. I knew there was something wrong with the music world and me when one of my favorite songs growing up was F- Frank Sinatra's, I Did It My Way. That's one of the most popular songs in the history of music. I did it my way. You know, I mean, doesn't and, and that just, that's just, that sounds, you know, I like that. I did it my way. Others thought I ought to do it. Th- I did it my way, you know. I beat my head against the wall, but I did it my way, you know. I, I went out and, and uh, uh, did things that were difficult and hard. I could have listened. I could have listened to what the Word of God said, but I did it my way. You know, I've always said the book of Proverbs is like when your mom and daddy said, don't stick your finger in a light socket. Okay? There's, there's a couple of ways to learn in this world. You can go, and you can take your finger, and you can jam it right into the light socket. And you're going to learn a great lesson you're going to you're going to say wow that shocks if you survive that experience you can come back later say that's probably not a good idea to do that okay but the other way you're going to come away from that experience with a burned finger and 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 probably some other issues but there's another way you can also listen to mom and daddy that said hey don't stick your finger in a light socket because it'll shock you (laughs) well that's what the book of proverbs is the book of Proverbs is a better way. You can go out and live and act like a fool that's talked about in the book of Proverbs, and you're going to learn. It doesn't change. The lesson will always be learned. We always think we can do it better our way, but we never can. <laughs> we never can. Oh, well, I know what happened to him that way, but I'm different. I'm smarter. I'm better. I'm, I, I know more. But let me just tell you, it always ends up the same way. So the message of the book of Proverbs is don't be a fool. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, Proverbs 21 and 2 says, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. See, the problem is the mind and the heart are corrupted by sin. We need a better road map than the feelings and the desires of our heart. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Proverbs 16, 14 says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And he repeats that in the 14th chapter. If the Lord says it one time, it's enough. But if he says it two times, you better sit up and take notice. See, that's a problem we all have. And the message of the book of Proverbs is don't be a fool. Now this morning... I want to talk about one particular way in which we can be fools. And that is the one manifestation of foolishness is slothfulness. Slothfulness. That's what we talked about last Wednesday night. But Lord willing, I want to, I want to go deeper into it this morning. And I want, to, I want to talk about it a little more. Proverbs chapter 12 now, back where we were. But look down at verse 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Let's talk about, just for a minute, the definition of slothfulness or the sluggard. There's two words, basically, that are used in Hebrew to talk about this. And and, and really, what it means is just being lazy. Now, now I want to hasten to tell you, uh, to my shame, that I think I've got a Ph.D. in being lazy. I'm good at it. I, you want to know somebody who's an expert in, in being lazy, then, hey, I'm the man. You know, I, uh, I, I'll never forget what Uncle Leroy uh, told one time. We were standing around. Uncle Leroy, uh, Aunt Lorraine's first husband, he, he, uh, he uh, uh, always liked to kid around with me, and we, he, he worked there on the farm with us. And all. We were standing around one day, and he was, I don't remember what all we were talking about, but he, he said, you know, I told somebody the other day, that Chris McCool ain't afraid of work. He can lay down beside it and go to sleep. It don't bother him one bit. (laughs) I'll never forget that. So, you know, I I have to admit, that's some truth to that. Now, look, I don't think I'm the the only one in this boat. I think we all got that in us. I think if left to our natural man, we could all just be as lazy and sluggardly as anyone we know. But these Hebrew words, I just want to talk about them uh, first of all. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6. Notice here, we're going to come back to this at some point, Lord willing. He says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. Now the ant has some has some answers for us on how not to be sluggardly, but notice he calls this person a sluggard. The word sluggard is a Hebrew word that means slothful, and it's from a root verb meaning to be at leisure or to leave or neglect. Okay? Now I have to admit, that that kind of fits, doesn't it? Have you ever. I always have to confess. You y'all, y'all. one of these days, I'm going to get you all up here and make you all confess. But, uh, but I always have to. I'll do the confessing. I think the reason I don't mind doing it is I think you probably all understand where I'm coming from. You probably, most of you been there. You ever had a, say, a Saturday? You know, I, I've had that happen before where I had a Saturday off. And I felt like, okay, I don't have anything that I have to get done today, so I'm going to get, I'm, I'm, it's going to be a productive day. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna get, you know. So, so, you know, I don't really have a plan. Don't really have anything going on. So I get up that morning, you know. I drink my diet Pepsi. I I watch a little TV. Oh, there's a good show on. Okay. Well, I, you know, I don't have anything to do today. I'll just, uh, I'm gonna get this other stuff. I'll finish watching this show. Then, then when I say, well, you know, it's getting mid-morning. It's about time. I think I'll go over to Bus Rays and get a, get a honey bun and another diet coke. You know. And then. You know, and while I'm there, you know, run into somebody and we start talking, maybe see Brother Bob or Brother Glennon and we talk a little bit and they're working, you know, I'm, but I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to. And then, and then I get back, well, it's nearly lunchtime now. Let's get, we better eat lunch first. And boy, you know, then you get full, you get sleepy, I think I'll take a little nap, you know. Next thing you know, six o'clock rolls around and I ain't got nothing done. You know, I didn't even set out to do that. I just neglected to be diligent. I didn't set out that morning to say I am not my goal today is to not get anything done you know I just left it alone that's the definition of sluggard here I just just wasn't focused in fact we're going to see the definition of the diligent back over in Proverbs 12 is focused sharpened It, it, it can be applied to a threshing instrument okay the idea is that you're not just wandering out there, but you've got a particular focus. Now back over in Proverbs 12, 24, where it says, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. That's another Hebrew word that actually carries the idea of treachery. But, uh, but, but, but it's, a, it's, it's literally a letting down or relaxing of the hands. It, it's, it's, it carries the idea of of deceit and idleness and deceit. Now, now, think about this. I love the way, I'm not trying to improve on the translation here, by the way, but I just love doing these word searches because it gives you a little understanding of the nuances. How many slackers do you know at work, if you work somewhere at a factory or wherever you work? How many slackers go around and say, Boy, I'm a slacker? <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, I, Brother Buddy, we always have this little joke going on back when I was. His boss, uh, he worked in a in an office that was not in the office where I was. So, so I he was always sitting up front. I'd come walking in, and as soon as I'd walk in, there were two other ladies in the office. Brother Buddy said, "Oh, you better act like you're working." Brother Buddy'd start, you know, acting like he was working, you know. And um, now he was kidding. But how many people do you know that are that way? You know, on the on the factory floor, they'd be, hey the supervisors coming. Let's get to work. Let's act like they're slackers. But they're deceitful about it. They're trying. Nobody goes around and, you know, you go to the job interview, you say, well, you know, what's your work ethic? Well, I like to slack off as much as I can, you know. Um, I'm just going to be honest about it. No, everybody says, oh, I'm diligent. I work hard, you know. But uh, the problem is they're deceitful about it. So that word slothful has the idea of idleness. and, and, And remember again, this slothful person is a fool. And what does a fool think? A fool believes his way is right. Verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 16, 2 says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. See, he thinks he's right. The definition of a sluggard is one who is lazy, who slacks off, who is neglectful, who is deceitful about it, and who thinks he's right in what he's doing. Let's talk about some of the characteristics ...of a sluggard this morning. In Proverbs chapter 6, we said we'd go back there. Let's go back there and begin reading in verse 6. I'm sorry, verse uh, verse 6 talks about the sluggard... ...and and gives the sluggard a pattern to follow that will help him. But notice in verse 9, after talking about the ant and what the ant does... ...he says, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise... Out of thy sleep. You know, one of the first characteristics of the sluggard is he won't get out of bed. (laughs) He won't get out of bed. He says, uh, Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. The sluggard has a problem getting out of bed. Over in Proverbs 19 and verse, uh, verse 15, we read this about the sluggard. Slothfulness, or about slothfulness, slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Over in Proverbs 26, I like this one about, about as much as any of them. Uh, I can just see, I love the, the word pictures that the Bible gives us in, in so many ways. So so in Proverbs 26 and verse 14, "...as the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed." Now here the idea is of a squeaky door with hinges. You think about, you know, it opens up like that. Well, have you ever, you know, I don't know about you, but we've had the experience that as our beds get a little bit older, they begin to squeak a little bit more. So, so you know, if you want to know if I'm in the bed or not, you can hear me roll over and that bed just squeaks. And, the, you know, that's kind of the way it is. That, that, like that door opening slowly, that, that slothful man is in the bed and, and, and you can tell that that's where he is because of the sound of him rolling over. He won't get out of the bed. Now, I just want to say, is that, is that not a problem, especially today? I mean, especially, as I've said, I'm as lazy as anybody, okay? I like to stay in the bed. My, my human nature is to just sleep all day. Now, one thing I will tell you, young folks, um, I'm sorry to tell you, but, but as you get older, one of, the, one of the manifestations of old age is I can't sleep like I used to, okay? I mean, I can stay in the bed, but I lay there with my eyes open you know I got to where 3 30 4 I'm awake you know so so some of that gets a little bit better with time you can't stay you know I finally just get up and go on and do my thing because not that I want to but just I can't go I can't sleep like I used to but there was a time when I could sleep all morning I used to love when I was a kid going over to my grandmother Springer's house because when I was home I didn't get to stay in the bed I didn't get to do. I had to get up and go to work. You know, when I was at home, Daddy would drag me out of bed. I'd go to my grandmother, and she'd let me sleep till ten or ten thirty in the morning. Man, it was great. You know, it also ruined me. I'm telling you, I, I I got, I'd get ill about having to get up. You know, something else. I wish. I know Raph Junior is not here this morning, but, uh, uh, but I used to love going to to be with Ralph Jr., but I didn't like going to spend the night because they had to get up about 3.30 or 4 and go milk cows. And, and it didn't matter that he had company. I used to say, well, I'm here today. No, it doesn't matter, they're getting up, you know? So, so that's, uh, that's one thing you can't say about uh, Brother Ralph Junkin is that he ever has been lazy that I know of in my life, uh, even when we were kids. He won't, but the sluggard won't get out of bed. That's a problem. Now, we're gonna come back to that for the remedy but I just wanna go ahead and just let you in on a little secret, okay? You say, well, how do you fix it? Brother Chris, I have struggled with that, getting out of bed. You know, I, you know, I know people that are, they wanna stay in the bed all the time. What's the remedy? It's a little secret that's little known. Get up, <laughs> get out of bed. <laughs> you can't work in the bed, okay? If you're, if you're having struggles with slothfulness, well, you know, when you, when you wake up at lunch, you're not gonna have much left of the day, you know? I'll, I'll give you an experience I had actually. Um, I believe it actually um, uh, helped me to think about it this way. When I was in law school, my first year, uh, our first year exams were at 1.30 in the afternoon. We had five courses, so when it, when it came time for uh, we only had one we only had one test in law school you only have one test it's the end of the end of the course that's pretty pretty scary for me you know i was really really nervous really really worked up because i didn't know how i was doing i thought i was learning but uh till you take that test you don't know so my first semester of law school all of our exams were at 1 well i couldn't sleep and i i, um, I would try to lay down at, you know midnight or so and i couldn't so i i would stay up i got to where i was staying up to four thirty or five o'clock every morning studying and then i would lay down i'd be so tired I'd lay down i'd sleep and i'd sleep till about lunch and then get up and go take my test you know uh and it was it was really i got my whole system messed up and you know i couldn't i don't i don't know the lord i know we have folks that work night shift and and you have to work night shift i understand that that's the way it is today i don't think that's good for anybody because there's (laughs) the lord knew what he was doing when he had the sun come up at a certain time and he had the sun go down at a certain time. We've messed it all up as humans. I mean, now we can stay up all night and it's as bright as the sun. You know, you can turn the lights on, you can stay up all night. But, you know, our, my grandfather, and I'll never forget Mr. Lonzo Malone, Mr. Lonzo who was a member of this church, uh, you, didn't, you didn't go visit Mr. Lonzo and Ms. Rosie past 6.30 or 7 o'clock at night because they were in the bed. The, the lights were out, the sun the sunlight, the sun had gone down, and they were in the bed. But he was up by about 3.30 or 4 in the morning. He was up by daylight. He always made the statement to me, I'll never forget it. He said, you get your best sleep before midnight. I believe there's something to that. He would sleep, he said, to 1 or 2 in the morning. He'd get up and get him a drink of water. He'd lay back down and doze, and he'd get on up a little bit before daylight. You know, I found when I was, when I was sleeping all morning, even though I was still Staying up, the same, I just didn't get as much done. I didn't feel, and it took me a while to get readjusted to that. I feel sorry for those who have to work the night shift because it's tough. And I think it messes up our, our system. But that's, that's another message. I'm, I'm not going to uh, go down that path anymore. But here's the, one of the primary characteristics of the sluggard is he won't get out of bed. Okay? And then when he gets out of the bed, another characteristic of the sluggard is he won't work. He won't work. Look in Proverbs chapter 21. In verse 25, Proverbs 21 and verse 25, The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. He coveteth greedily all the day long, but the righteous giveth and spareth not. Now, I want you to notice something else about the sluggard or the slothful person. And if you find yourself in that position you'll know what I'm talking about. It's not that they have no desire. It's not that they don't have any uh, needs or wants in this life. It's not that he's content with where he is. I could understand that, I guess. If I could find someone who said, you know, I don't need anything. I don't want anything. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy life. That's, I'm not even sure you could call that man a sluggard. He's. You know he's he's content with things, but you're also not going to find that man, by the way, because nobody's content in this life. But notice that it's not because he's content; he has a desire, but he just won't work to get it. He just won't work to get it. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. He coveteth greedily all the day long. He has a covetous desire. How, I know many people, and I'm sure you do too, who refuse. To work. I'm not talking about people who can't find a job. We, I know we have had issues of that in our nation before. I'm talking about someone who refuses to work, and they sit around, and all they do is badmouth those that have things. <laughs> you ever notice that? They're always, well, you know, oh, so-and-so's got this. there, And it's always somebody else's fault, by the way. That's another message, but, uh, but it's always somebody else's fault. He, it's not that he's content. He has a desire for things, but he just won't work to get it. Hey, I, I, I understand the get rich quick mentality. Man, I'd love to get rich quick. <laughs> I'd love to. If you want to give me money quick? Give it to me. I, I'm good with that, you know. It's the lottery mentality. I'm not going to work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to win the lottery. I'm going to go to Las Vegas. I'm going to try to get rich quick. The schemes, do you know how many millions of dollars people lose every year? on different scams that people uh, connect with them about you know that old the old one brother bob and i've talked about it before the old one uh from nigeria you know there's it's, it's amazing to me that there's there's always somebody in nigeria wanting to give me 10 billion dollars you know and that i mean i'll take it you know I've, I've actually thought about calling them up and saying hey send it you know i'll be glad to have it and just kind of you know lead them along a little bit but i know i don't know of somebody who actually went to nigeria and ended up getting beaten and robbed because they were over there trying to get 10 billion dollars or whatever it was that uh that they had offered let me just give you young folks and some of you older folks too but you young folks a little tip if it sounds too good to be true it probably is probably is just 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 be careful about that because god didn't God, the, the only thing that God purposed to give us um, apart from our labors is our salvation. Otherwise, Paul says if a man won't work, neither shall he eat. Over in Second, Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. Labor, the labor of the hands. This, this slothful man has a covetous desire, but he just won't work to get what he's wanting. <laughs> Back over to the 12th chapter, I'll tell you, this: we, we looked at this last Wednesday night. Uh, we read verse 24, but it goes on talking a little bit about sloth and sluggardness. In verse 27, it says, The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. The, the, you know some people like that? I do. I know people who, who talk a good game, Brother Mackey. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do. This. In fact, they even show forth a little bit of potential, but they won't follow through. They won't follow through. I've I've dealt with different situations uh, as a prosecutor where we're a where a job contractor. Someone going to build a house or build a building or something would come in and make promising uh, uh, statements. They would they would they would be and they would they had they did good work. They did good quality work. And they'd get started on the house or the building, and they'd get going. And the next thing you know, six months passed, and they got about halfway through, you know. Uh, the man bid on the, on the job. The man, uh, the man, if you will, uh, slew the prey. You know, that's kind of what he's talking about here. This is a man who went out hunting, and he, and he killed something for dinner, and he brought it back. And he said, oh, I've got what I need now. And then he was too lazy to cook it, <laughs> too lazy to cook it. You know, th- there are people that, that, that will go out and hunt a job or hunt for, uh, for, uh, for a, a contract for something, and they'll get it, but then they don't follow through with it. They don't do, they don't complete the task. They talk a good game, but don't complete the task. See, a sluggard not only won't get out of bed, but when he does get out of bed, he won't work. Now, something else you're going to find about someone who's a sluggardly man is you'll never get him to admit it. He's always got a good excuse. He's always got a barrel full of excuses. Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21 and verse 25. Um, I'm sorry, Proverbs 20. I'm one chapter over. 20 and verse 4. Proverbs 20 and verse 4. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. Now, here's an excuse that you might say is a legitimate excuse. You know, when you st- get ready to start plowing your garden, it's cool still. It's still cold weather, you know. And, and, and I've been in the position before. I, <laughs> I think we all can identify with the fact that there are areas of our lives where we are sluggardly and there are areas of our lives where we're not. One of the areas where I'm very sluggardly is in my exercise. As it's pretty plain to see, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, uh, so I go through these stages where I get, you know, right now I'm back on walking and trying to get out and walk and do even run a little bit and get going down to the box, doing some exercises, that sort of thing. And it uh, doesn't take much to throw me off. I was already I was out running yesterday morning, thinking about how hot it was, and already thinking in my mind, boy, I dread. When it's cold in the morning, because I just don't like to get out here. You know what happens about October? I quit getting out and walking in the morning. It's too cold. You know, it's too cold. Well, you know what? <laughs> I don't reap in the harvest either. My, you know what I'm what I'm sowing for in my exercise is to lose about 25 pounds. Uh, what I reap instead of uh, instead of losing 25 pounds, I gain about five. You see, in the winter time, because it's just too cold, y'all. It's just too cold, right? It's too cold to get out there and do anything. Well, that's a legitimate excuse. It is cold. It is cold. But the problem is you've got to press on anyway if you're going to reap in the harvest. But the sluggard, the slothful, he will not plow by reason of the cold. And therefore shall he beg in the harvest and have nothing. Now, my favorite excuse And this really probably ends up being more like me, and maybe you can identify with this too. And I'm sure you know people like this. My favorite excuse for the sluggardly is found in chapter 26. And it just goes to show you that man will be as creative as he needs to be to justify himself. Okay? Isn't that right? Don't you find yourself? You know, I can get really creative on making excuses for my actions. Look at chapter 26 and verse 13. The slothful man saith, there is a lion in the way. A lion is in the streets. (laughs) And then it goes on there to tell us about what we've already talked about. As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. So here, the vision here is this. The slothful man wakes up, and he's got stuff to do. He needs to be outside doing it. And he raises his head, and he said, you know, I heard there might be a lion out there. (laughs) Good night. Rolls over and goes back to sleep, you see. I can, hey, you know, I, I would get out and go, but man, it could be dangerous, you know. It could be a lion in the streets. I mean, there could, be a, you know, there could be a coyote out there. There could be a bobcat out in the field. I don't know, Daddy, I can't go plow that field. It's, you know, it's on the back side. There might be robbers out there. You know, you come up with all kinds of excuses. This person here is coming up with all the excuses he needs. And it doesn't matter if it's a good excuse or a bad excuse. The sluggardly man is going to find that excuse. But you know the problem with being a sluggard, and the reason a sluggard is a fool, is because that sluggard will suffer mightily in many ways. First of all, he's going to suffer hunger. Remember back over in the 19th chapter of Proverbs and the 15th verse, said, slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. The word idle there is one of those words that's translated as, as slothful. The idle soul will suffer hunger. Over in 2 Second, Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10, we've already quoted it. Paul said to those Thessalonian uh, Christians over there that if a man won't work, neither shall he eat. In other words, the way God has set it forth is that you need to provide for yourself and for your family. And being a sluggard and being slothful is not pleasing to God. And the ultimate result of that is you're going to go hungry. Now, now don't get me wrong when I say this. I know there are people in this world that need our charity. And we need to be looking for those opportunities to help folks. That, that, that can't help themselves or that are falling on hard times and we ought to be willing to, to go and help. But, but now here's the thing. If you're in the position of needing charity and, and if, you, if you're going to get charity, you need to also be one who's willing to work. You don't need to be someone who is a perennial charity case where you just, you know, well, I can't get this job, I can't do that, I can't. Listen, you've got to be diligent in your seeking of a job. You've got to be diligent in your in your trying to do things. There is something you can do. I don't like the idea of flipping hamburgers, you know. There's a lot of young folks in this world today that, oh, that's just too low for me. <laughs> Let me tell you something. God didn't talk about any jobs that were too low. He just talked about those who were sluggards and wouldn't work. See? So sometimes we have to do what we have to do. And By the way, let me, let me just say that. I do feel, I don't mean to sound harsh about that. Because I know, I know what it's like to start at the bottom. I know how demeaning you can be made to feel. If you don't have the kind of job you think that your abilities and your education level or your intelligence, whatever it is that, that gets you, I understand that, okay? So I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being harsh when I say that. But I want you to remember a couple of things when you say, well, that's just, that job's too low for me. I mean, if you can get a better job, get it. But if, if all you have an opportunity for is... is, is, is is i mean i'm not you know flipping hamburgers at mcdonald's i'm not, i think mcdonald's are paying better than they used to so maybe that's a good job now but anyway we just use that as an example there was a parable in the 25th chapter of matthew where jesus told about a man who went to a far country and he gave five talents to one of his servants and two talents to another and one to the third and, and the one that had the five talents invested them and made five more. The one that had two invested them and made two more. The one that had one, he just went and buried it. He didn't do anything with it. Now, it does, it's not specifically talking about slothfulness there, but I believe that is an implication there that that man was not willing to work with what the Lord had given him. He wasn't willing to put his hands to the, to, to the labor there. He wasn't willing to dirty his hands on just this one little talent. But you know what? The man told his servants when he came back, the two that had invested, he said, you've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. God doesn't immediately take you, child of God, and put you at the top of the pile. He doesn't immediately take you and make you a supervisor uh, when you haven't proven your mettle in the the lower levels of of the job. You've got to be faithful in the small things. David didn't immediately go out to fight Goliath. God didn't reach down when David was 12 years old and say, Hey man, go fight Goliath. David proved his worth. He proved his mettle out there on the hillsides of Judea herding those smelly old sheep where nobody was looking. If you want to be promoted in life, then you be faithful over the few things and over time It will be noticed, and God will bless you to become ruler over more things. But if you're not going to take care of the little things, how can you expect to be promoted to take care of the bigger things? Something else that a sluggard will suffer is poverty. Go back to Proverbs chapter 6. And I want to point out to you what I'm about to read to you is repeated. You remember what I said? If God says it one time, listen. If he says it twice, you better sit up and take notice. It's repeated over in the 24th chapter, but we're going to read it here in the 6th chapter. Remember in verse 6, he says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? See, here's somebody that needs to get out of bed and get to work. Now look at verse 10 and 11. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. One of the problems you'll have if you're a sluggard, beloved, is that you will end up ultimately in poverty. Now, nobody sets out to be poor. I I don't know of anybody that says, my goal in life is to not have nothing. You know, anybody, you know, I don't feel that way. I want everything. I want to have good stuff. Nobody sets out to be poor, but by neglect, your affairs will not simply stagnate. They will actually decline. Notice it didn't say here he's Sleeping a lot, or he's slumbering a lot. It says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, and so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth. In other words, you just start neglecting to do what you know you need to do. You just start slumbering a little and sleeping a little and uh, laying down on the job, if you will, a little bit. The next thing you know, especially if you're working in a factory or somewhere like that, you may be fired, you know. In your poverty, I know people that have experienced that, that it came as a total shock, Brother Glendon. I tell you, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know, working over where you did, you know, some people, you, you can see it coming from a mile away. They fall asleep on the job. They're not doing their job. Somebody comes, and I'm sorry, going to have to fire you. What? What have I done? You know, just as one that traveleth or as an armed man. You notice what that means. It start, it's suddenly, unexpectedly, you see. Unexpe- they're not expecting poverty or they do something different but suddenly unexpectedly step by step like a drop-in visitor how many times have you had somebody drop in and, and your thought was oh i wish i'd known <laughs> i wish i'd known you were coming we, you know and also it says it's like an armed man so not only unexpectedly does your poverty come upon you but unstoppably you can't defend if you're unarmed against an armed man And also, disrepute is a result of being sluggardly. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, listen to what Paul writes here as we kind of bring this to a close. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 5 and 8, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. That's a pretty strong accusation, isn't it? But you want to be considered an infidel? then just be a sluggard and don't take care of your family. So what's the remedy as we bring this to a close? Well, first of all, wake up. Wake up. Romans chapter 13 uh, carries some good admonitions for us here. It says in Romans 13 and verse 11, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. You say, well, I feel like I'm slumbering. I feel like I'm sleeping. What I need to do, well, wake up. Wake up. Get, wake up and, and then get up and get to work. You see? The aunt, remember what the aunt said. It says, consider her ways. She has no guide, overseer, or ruler. You say, well, nobody told me to do that. You know, I, that's my excuse. You know, I've come in sometimes in the past, I promises in the past, maybe sometimes still. But most of the time in the past, you know, uh, I'll, find, I'll see Sherry's not, you know, she's clearly not happy with me. She's clearly, you know, it's like, well, what's the problem? Well, you didn't do this. Well, you didn't tell me to. Well, I shouldn't have to tell you. And that, she's right, by the way. She's right, you know. When the light will flicker and not come on, and I can, you know, it's something different between men and women, I'm afraid. I don't know. Maybe it's just me and Sherry, you know. I can walk through, I can walk through a, a dark room where the light's flickering and not coming on. I can do that for six months and it not bother me, you know. I ought to be fixing the light, right? And she knows that I ought to be. So she's never, let me just say this anytime she's ever had to quote unquote get on to me every single time it's been justified i have to admit it i'm sorry to say but you see get up and get to work the aunt doesn't have a guide or overseer or ruler but she provides her meat in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest she's working even without having to be told to work you know that was one of the things that that I tried to teach my sons when we were out there on the farm. Don't stand around with your hands in your pocket. When somebody's doing something, get in there and say, what can I do, you know? Don't wait to have to be told. Get up. And let me say this too. Look up. Look up. Remember what we said the problem with the fool was? The fool felt like that his ways were right in his own eyes. Back over in, uh, I believe it's Psalms. The uh, no, I believe I, I believe it's Proverbs. Anyway, over in Proverbs, the uh, the fourteenth chapter, and verse eleven, the house of the wicked shall be overthrown. Now, I know it's talking primarily about the wicked and doing wickedly out there, but being a sluggard is part of that. The house of the wicked shall be overthrown. But notice back in Proverbs chapter 12, again, in our verse that we started out with, the hand of the diligent shall bear rule. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the heart, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Remember, we said diligent means, means to be focused or sharp. The idea here is that instead of, being, instead of being a sluggard, instead of being slothful, you need to be focused upon that which is before you to do. Now, let me, let me leave you with this. I know we've kind of talked about it in terms of practicality here. And, and, and let me say this to you. Just remember this, young folks particularly. It doesn't take talent. You say, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not. Hey, I'm not talking about... Maybe you don't need to be a rocket scientist. Maybe that's not where you need maybe you don't need to be a brain surgeon, okay? Maybe that isn't where you need to be, but let me tell you something. It doesn't take talent, ability, intelligence, education or skill to get up and get to work. You can do that. No matter what your IQ is, you can work hard. It takes focus and effort and persistence and let me just say this as we bring this to a close. This applies Every aspect of our lives. And I want to to close with this. We've been talking about jobs and business and work, okay? I want to ask you a question. What about your spiritual life? What about our spiritual lives? Are we spiritual sluggards? I know sometimes I am. Sometimes I am. C.H. Spurgeon, I want to... I don't agree with Spurgeon on all of his theology, but I want to read something here that he said about our spiritual lives and slothfulness. A Christian sluggard? Is there such a being? A Christian man on halftime? A Christian man working not at all for his Lord? How shall I speak of him? Time does not tarry. Death does not tarry. Hell does not tarry. Satan is not lazy. All the powers of darkness are busy. How is it that you and I can be sluggish if the master has put us into his vineyard? Surely we must be void of understanding if, after being saved by the infinite love of God, we do not spend and be spent in his service. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, By much slothfulness the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands the house droppeth through so also will our spiritual building decay if we are spiritual sluggards. You see, this admonition applies in every part of our lives, and especially in the spiritual side. Don't be a sluggard in your job, in your family, at your home, but don't be a sluggard in your spiritual life. Be diligent. You know, it doesn't, take, it doesn't mean that everyone's called to preach. Say, well, I can't study like somebody. Read it anyway. Do it anyway. You don't have to, to be the most intelligent or the most theologically astute person. Just read the Bible anyway. Come to church. Be here. It doesn't take anything but effort to be here. It doesn't take anything but effort to pray. You say, well, I can't pray. I just can't. I, I don't. Listen, there have been times when I can't pray. I don't know the words to say, but guess what? The Spirit maketh intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. Sometimes the best praying I've ever done is when all I can do is groan in my spirit, and the Spirit of God translates that into the sweetest prayers in the, in the ears of the Lord. So pray. When you can't pray, pray anyway. When you don't feel like coming to church, come anyway. When you don't feel like reading your Bible, read it anyway and do what it says therein. May the Lord bless us uh, to not be sluggards in any aspects of our lives. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.